Now, before we get into the movie and our scripture today, can I just say how great it was seeing so many of you last weekend at our drive-in Sunday. We had such a great time, and I know that it was different, but it was just, it was just so good seeing you all. Our next one will be Sunday, uh, July 26th at 9 a.m., and I am just looking forward to seeing you all over again. Uh, our movie, uh, our VHS movie this weekend is Glory, and Glory came out in 1989. It was nominated for five Academy Awards and five Golden Globes, and it's based on a real-life true story, the story of the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry during the Civil War. Now, it's from, from its organization in the winter of 1863 all the way up into its climactic assault of July 18, 1863 against a powerful Confederate fortress. Colonel Robert Shaw, played by Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, is a determined, demanding military man, and he volunteers to head up the 54th Infantry. And it was one of the first units in the United States Army that was entirely composed of black men. And the movie focuses in on several of the soldiers who also volunteered, chose to enlist. Private Tripp, who is Denzel Washington, and he's a hardened, former, escaped slave. And then Sergeant Major Rollins, played by Morgan Freeman, and he's a leader amongst the black soldiers. And together, uh, they did not only contend with the hatred and prejudices of the enemy, but they also had to deal with the distrust and racism from within their own ranks. Rewatching this movie after 25 years sparks in me something new and fresh and completely different than it did all those years ago. We live in a new world. Seeing the brutality of a war fought on American soil, seeing the Confederate flag, which has become fodder in the news lately, seeing this Confederate flag fly in battle struck me in a way that it didn't 25 years ago. It was a symbol of our own brothers becoming our enemies. It was a symbol of hatred and oppression. And to watch this movie with the present state of our nation and the racism that still is present, to watch it with this kind of backdrop was actually quite haunting. Now, Denzel Washington actually won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in this film. And this was Denzel's only, it was only his second major Hollywood production. Uh, in, in many ways, this movie made Denzel... Denzel. There's this one scene that I still remember from when I watched this as a teenager. Uh, it was just as powerful this week as it was 25 years ago. Uh, the 54th Infantry training, they're working hard to become soldiers, but because they are a black regiment, they are not given proper equipment. Uh, and their feet are all torn up and wounded because they have no shoes. So Denzel Washington's character, Private Trip, uh, sneaks out in the middle of the night, leaves his army's encampment in search for shoes, and he gets caught. And they treat him as a deserter. They thought he was leaving, fleeing. They thought he went AWOL. And the punishment for desertion was flogging in front of the other, other soldiers. Everyone has to know. you got to be made an example of. Your brothers need to know that this is not an option for them. So Colonel Robert Shaw orders him to be flogged. 
And what he doesn't know, but later discovers, was that Trip just left to get shoes, not just for himself, but for other soldiers. In one of the most powerful movie moments I have ever seen, Private Trip is being unjustly flogged. And when he removes his shirt, his back already bears the scars of his former slave life. And so lashing after lashing, Private Trip bears the unjust consequences of his actions. And it is in this moment where a single teardrop wells up and falls down his face. It was this spontaneous improvisation that Denzel Washington long admitted it was unplanned, but it was just this natural reaction to living in the moment. Uh, His face in that moment perfectly captures the agony and virtue of the moment. It is as if he is no longer acting, but rather enduring the injustice that so many have faced before him that he himself has had to endure. Denzel Washington was recently asked about this moment, this scene where the tear falls from his eye, more than 30 years after the film has been released. And he said, look, we were shooting that scene just a block away from where slaves had been held in the docks of Savannah. And I did not know what I was going to do or feel on that scene. And I just gave it up to God. I just let myself be there and see what would happen. You know, I I paused the movie after watching that scene. And the scene is too powerful and too violent to show in its entirety in our weekend service. But I paused the movie because I pictured Jesus. You see, Jesus was also flogged. And the Jews had a law forbidding more than 40 lashings, but the Romans had no such law. And they went well beyond that number of lashings when they lashed and flogged Jesus. Now this whip that the Romans used was leather straps, with sharp pieces of bone and lead attached to the end. And so when it would be whipped onto someone's back, it would dig into their back and pieces of flesh would be torn apart and torn away from their body when they were whipped. The victim's back would be a mass of bleeding wounds and quivering muscles. The agony portrayed by Denzel Washington may have won an Academy Award, But the agony of the Son of God being unjustly flogged, beaten and crucified for you and for me, that won the heart of humanity. Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. See, sometimes the cross becomes ornamental. It becomes something that we do. It becomes something that we wear. It becomes something that we adorn our buildings with. We can often forget the agony of it. The English word excruciating actually comes from the cross. The the prefix ex means from or out of, and then cru, crux, cross. It means from the cross. Our language derives a word from the cross, 
in the process of crucifixion. And the word is excruciating because that is exactly what it was to its victims. It was excruciating. It was awful. It wasn't a nice, neat, heavenly transaction. It was a violent and vulgar process done to an innocent man, done to the God of the universe. I've been in vocational ministry for 20 years now. I'm going to do something now that I've never done in all of my years. Uh, I'm going I'm to pause this, my sermon, and we're going to partake in communion together. Just as I pause the movie after seeing the emotion and pain in the face of Private Trip, we too will press pause to remember the emotion and the violence of the cross of Christ. So if you have your elements, get your grape juice and cereal or your soda and crackers ready. I've got mine. Uh, I've got my Gatorade. I've got my, my kids' Ritz crackers here. 1 Corinthians 11 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of Christ broken for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The blood of Christ shed for you. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for suffering so unjustly. Thank you for bearing the sins of the world on your shoulders. Thank you that the punishment that brought us peace was upon you, and by your wounds we are healed. In Jesus' name, amen. As powerful of a scene as that was in the movie Glory, it pales in comparison to the reality of human suffering in our world. God didn't say, cut, cut, if things got too real at Calvary 2,000 years ago. No, there, there wasn't a second take. Jesus had one shot, and his love conquered. The night before the final battle in the movie, the men of the 54th spend the night having a worship and prayer service. And it, too, is one of the more powerful scenes in the movie. They're all just gathered around a fire, singing and praying and singing and proclaiming. And no matter where they were on their spiritual journey, they were encouraged to share their hearts. No pretense, no hyper-spirituality, just raw, real, authentic, vulnerable, and honest speech. They just laid it out. That's what God desires. The movie is filled with the racism of its day. More than half the people in our country viewed black people as less than. And one of the undertones throughout the movie is that it's the racist thinking that the black soldiers can't fight and they won't fight. So they give them all these me meaningless tasks that they could do, hard labor stuff, but they're not going to actually let them be soldiers. They're not going to actually let them fight. Howell Cobb, a Confederate senator from Georgia, 
put the matter of the black soldier at the racist heart of the Confederacy. He said this, if the black man can make a good soldier, our whole system of government is wrong. The 54th Infantry of Massachusetts was set on proving that the Confederates were wrong. And they were. The whole movie's leading up to this final battle. The Confederate Fort Wagner was this bastion for the South. And there was only one way to approach the fort, this small, narrow path on the beach. But, there, but in the fort was a thousand soldiers with muskets pointed right at you. And they're barricaded within the fortress. And cannons firing at will. Check out this scene from the movie. with these words on the screen. The 54th Massachusetts lost over half in the assault of Fort Wagner. The supporting white brigades also suffered heavily before withdrawing. The fort was never taken. As word of their bravery spread, Congress at last authorized the raising of black troops throughout the Union. Over 180,000 volunteered. President Lincoln credited these men of color with helping turn the tide of the war. In a narrow sense, the attack was a failure. In a more profound sense, it was a success of historic proportions. The unflinching behavior of the regiment in the face of an overwhelming hail of lead and iron answered the skeptic's question, will the black man fight? The answer was a resounding yes, and we are a better nation because of the 54th Infantry of Massachusetts, and we are a better wor world because of the 54th Infantry of Massachusetts. In 1894, just a few decades after the Civil War, John Jacob Astor wrote a book called A Journey in Other Worlds. 1894. It was a science fiction novel about life in the year 2000 on the planet Saturn and Jupiter. In it, he described how technology had saved humanity, steam boilers powered by the sun provided all the power they needed, 
The ocean tides generated electricity, battery-powered airplanes flew through the sky. Astor, he envisioned a, ter a terrestrial axis straightening company whose task it was to reposition the globe so that the Earth's climate would be universally spring. Wouldn't it be nice? Spaceships were off to colonize Jupiter. He described this period of Earth as the most wonderful period of history that the world has yet to see. John Jacob Astor died on the Titanic. Our hope is not in the human ability to live at peace. Our hope is in Jesus, who is our peace. You would think that more than 150 years after thousands of black and white soldiers fought and died for equality, they fought for unity under the banner of America, you'd think that we'd be much better at it. But we're not even good at tolerance. Intolerance sets the bar really low. Nobody ever says, you know, I just really want to be tolerated. No. Nobody wants to be tolerated. Everybody wants to be loved. That's what we're called to do. We are not called to tolerate people. We are called to love people. I'll close with this. I think back to the night before the battle for Fort Wagner. These men... They knew their fate, and yet they charged forward. They knew that the odds were against them, that they were vastly outnumbered, outpowered. They charged ahead on the sandy beach. There was a survey taken of 1,000 people over the age of 95. A lot of wisdom in that survey, a lot of years the survey had one question. In your life, what do you wish that you did differently? And their wisdom, out of all these years, all these people, can be broken down into three responses. Three overwhelming responses. Number one, I wish I would have spent more time with family. Number two, I wish I would have taken more risks. And number three, I wish I would have done more things that lived on after I died. Let's not have those regrets. Let's live now the way we want to, to live then. Let's pray. God, we need you. Our nation needs you. Our nation needs healing from old wounds and from new wounds. God, you are the great physician. Our nation doesn't just need it. We need it. I need it. I need your healing hands over my heart. God, I pray that you would be the God of comfort, God of strength, God of courage, God of love in a new, fresh way this week and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.